Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Oh, you're here. Hi, how are you? You're looking well. Take a seat, sit down. You're very welcome to the Cringe Binge Podcast. Now, some of you know me and some of you don't. So, a quick little introduction. Well, my name is Jules Call. I'm turning 40 this year and hoping to avoid a midlife crisis. I'm kind of hoping that this whole life begins at 40 thing is actually true. So, before I roll over the hill, I want to look back on my teenage years as that's where my writing career started and I didn't even realise it at the time. Yep, so I'm a writer. I co-wrote and produced RTE comedy Demo and Ivor. Then I went on to make a documentary on RTE called Nine Stone Lighter, which saw a camera crew follow me as I underwent gastric bypass weight loss surgery, which radically changed my life and consequently I lost nine stone. That's 57 kilos in new money. Now, the aftermath of all of that was just incredible. Because everyone loves an L weight loss story, I was in every newspaper and magazine, on every radio station, being interviewed, and I even appeared on The Late Late Show. I am so glad that I shared my story, as it seems to have helped thousands of people even to this day. So after two years of devoting my life to telling that story, I didn't want to always be known as the girl that lost all the weight, because there's so much more to me than just that. So I stopped living my life on social media and took a break from it all. An amazing thing that came from all of it was getting to write my autobiography. It's called Flabyrinth, My Escape from Maximum Insecurity Prison, and it's published by the amazing people at Gill Books. A massive thank you to everyone who bought and read Flabyrinth and made it a bestseller. The most common feedback was readers saying, I thought I was the only person who thought like this. I felt like I was reading my own words and you were telling my story. Another thing readers loved were my teenage diaries. I included lots of excerpts in the book because I was a lean teen snogging machine back in the day. So much so, I had to keep a logbook of all of the drama. And yes, dear listener, the erotic stories that virgin me, who knew absolutely nothing about sex at the age of 15, will be coming up in this podcast series. I included one of the erotic stories in Flabyrinth. It's entitled Steam, and it got some serious laughs. 
I'm going to be reading all of Steam and lots of other erotic novellas I wrote back in the day in upcoming episodes. But here's a sneaky listen of what's to come. Pun intended. He kisses my neck and then my forehead and slowly moves downwards to my lips as rivulets of water run between my heaving breasts. After ten minutes of energetic tonsil hockey, we step out of the shower. He wraps me in a warm, soft towel, previously washed in comfort, and guides me towards the bedroom. Laying me down like an aeroplane on a runway, he glides swiftly over my body, launching like a shuttle into a universe of ecstasy as our minds and bodies fuse in an aura of passion. His erection creeps up like a cat waiting to pounce on its prey. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a full-on cringe fest around here. Steam is just one of the raunchy stories and there's plenty more from the Juicy Jewels publications I can tell you. So my new podcast pal, this is how things will go. In some episodes, I'll be reading edited bits from my book, Flabyrinth. If you've already read it, it's a great recap. And to be honest, I wrote the thing and I can hardly remember what's in it. But it's defo through Flabyrinth that you'll get to know me the best. There'll also be my unpublished teen diaries and my sexy stories. And then in other episodes, I'll have a celebrity guest on with me and we'll be going through their teen life and diaries and having the chats all about it. And you, you're included too. I want to hear about your teenage diaries, but I'll tell you more about that at the end of this podcast. So let's start off with a little bit of Flabyrinth. You're listening to the Cringe Binge Podcast with Jules Call. If I was to measure every single alcoholic beverage I've ever drunk in my 21 years of boozing, I reckon I could fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool to overflowing. It's a wonder I have any memory left after obliterating so many brain cells with all the vodka over the years. My favourite drink is a lot. I can hardly remember what I did yesterday, let alone what happened in my early childhood. Thankfully, my lovely mum documented my life in what we call my baby books. They are essentially diaries of landmark moments in my life, funny things I said or did, notes of achievement, and of course, when I was bold. At my current age of 36, I'm astonished reading through them and noting how many references there are to food, weight, and my undeniable obsession with sweets. I have eight baby books spanning from birth to the age of 21. As my teeth fell out, they were duly sellotaped into the book. When I swallowed some nuts and bolts as a toddler, as you do, they were fished out of the potty, rinsed, dettled and also taped in. These books are priceless to me and I'm very grateful to mum for keeping a record of my life. She must have known that one day I was going to write this book and I would need them as a resource. So in December 1978, Mum peeled Dad's banana and nine months later, I was born. Mum has written this in my baby book. 22nd of March 1980, age seven months. You can say day-day and wave your arm. You tilt your head to one side and smile at people, talk about turning on the charm. 
It takes me so much longer to shop with all the stops we have to make while compliments are passed about you. Daddy gets a great reception when he comes home from work. He puts on a record and then mimes the songs to you in the pram. He has you completely fooled into thinking he's a wonderful singer. It seems you too are something of a practical joker. Daddy was having a bath one night and knowing how much you love to take a bath, he decided to let you in for a dip as well. The two of you had great fun, bubbles and splashes and screams of excitement. Out you came and while I was toweling you dry, Daddy let out a roar. I ran in to see what was wrong. It appeared he'd picked up a big poo you left behind thinking it was the soap. Poor, poor Daddy. I was born Julie Ann Call in Hollis Street Hospital on the 9th of August 1979, weighing a conventionally healthy 8 pounds and 1 ounce, to my parents, Jan and Mike, who were both aged 26. Mum was a film editor and Dad had his own printing business. I didn't get a middle name when I was christened, as Julie Ann was considered long enough, but my nickname Jules was adopted from an early age. We lived in Shankill in South County Dublin. The house was so small, you'd put the key in the front door and smash the back window. Mum gave up work to look after me, and to say she was a devoted mother is an understatement. I was stimulated with books and word and picture cards from an early age. I was on course to be the next Einstein, for sure. Mum has written this about me in my baby book. At 15 months, your vocabulary is now 115 words, and each word you speak is very clear and distinct. 17 months. At the January sales in Switzers, there were people everywhere. You were really annoyed with the big crowds. I looked down at the buggy and you were flailing your arms, swatting people out of the way, shouting, Christ, Christ. At 19 months, you can read and say all the letters of the alphabet and you can read and count to 10. You speak in sentences of up to five words and include such words as deodorant, inverted and condensation. The progress in the past few months has been amazing. I was breastfed for my first year and then all my food was homemade in true 1980s style in the pressure cooker. I'm astonished to read in my baby book that mum has me on a diet at 18 months old because I was so chubby. I don't recall seeing any photos of me as a fat child. I was always slim and healthy looking, so I guess that must have been baby fat which I eventually shed. Phew! Always an inquisitive child, I soaked up all the education mum and dad provided me with and I started school having just turned four and already able to read, write and count with ease. However, my teacher had to ask mum to slow down on the extracurricular teaching as I was ahead of the rest of my peers and I was getting bored in class. Knowing me, I was probably sitting there filing my nails while staring out the window. I was nearly ready for my junior cert exams when I was only in junior infants. Mum's written this in my baby book. 1984, age nearly five. Your class and senior infants went on a tour to Ashburn to see a farm. It was your first tour and there was great excitement. Teacher gave everyone an orange juice drink, a wagon wheel and sweets. You said, I stood on a cow's poo and I ate so much I was sick as a dog and Rachel O'Grady puked everywhere on the bus. On our chunky 80s stereo, Mum would record me and my brother Barry, who is two years my junior, on a cassette tape singing nursery rhymes and talking shite. We loved it and we used to listen back to ourselves over and over thinking we were hilarious. 
Julianne, how are you? Yes, Julianne. It's your birthday today, is it? Two. What are you doing today? Two. Two. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Would you have a song for us? Yes. What would you say? Um, the funny poo-poo. <laughs> okay, we'll have the funny poo-poo from Julianne. <laughs> 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 oh, look at the balloons up there. What would Barry say? Yeah. Barry say, ah, there you are now. Yeah. Say that. Ah, uh, there you are. Uh, where's Daddy gone? Gone. Where? Gone. Daddy gone? Gone. To work. To work. Now, hold it. Ready to buy. Very good song. Yeah. What can Barry say? Barry say light? Yeah. Say light. Oh, and sing it's raining again. Say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's very nice. And Barry sing hickory dickory. Duck. The mouse ran up the clock. The clock struck. The mouse down. The mouse ran down. Hickory dickory. Duck. Duck. Very good. Duck. Again. Little Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet, eating her curds yeah. when there came a big spider who sat down beside her and frightened Miss Muffet. Oh, somebody at the door. Mum has written this in my baby book. October 1984. This was probably the most moving tragedy I've ever come across. Millions of people in Africa starving to death because they haven't had rain for seven years and consequently can't grow their crops. The television coverage was so intense that there was hardly a dry eye in the country and this prompted a huge campaign to raise money for Ethiopia. This year we decided not to give Christmas presents and gave what we would have spent to concern. Barry and yourself emptied your money boxes and that came to £12.50. And when you think of it, 50p will feed one child for a week. So 25 children benefited from your little donation, Julianne. And then she's written, December 1984, Band-Aids Do They Know It's Christmas. This was a record made by all the most popular recording artists in England. It was a song written by Bob Geldof. The record, after only five weeks on the shop shelves, sold over 2.5 million copies and is the biggest selling single of all time. The proceeds of the song will go to help the starving people of Ethiopia. We bought 20 copies and you gave them as presents to all the family. I blame Bob Geldof. A year after he encouraged us all to feed the world, USA for Africa released their charity track called We Are the World. Coincidence? It was all of this, now great as it was that they were raising money to help people in Ethiopia, that led to every Irish mammy employing the phrase, 
Now you better finish everything on that plate. There's starving children in Africa who have nothing to eat for their dinner. So you'd better be grateful that you have food there in front of you. Do you hear me now? I want every scrap of that eaten so it's not wasted. And thus every child in Ireland was led to believe that it was a sin to leave food on your plate. And even if you weren't hungry or already full, you'd better lick that plate clean or Mammy was going to phone Bob Geldof and tell him that you were an ungrateful brat and she was going to swap you for an African kid who'd be only too happy to eat the bacon and cabbage she'd spent hours preparing. I now purposely always leave something on my plate to counteract that brainwashing. While haplessly wasting food is obviously not okay, but when you're full, you're full. And if you leave some mash and Brussels sprouts on your plate, that doesn't mean that Bob Geldof is going to arrive at your front door with your grateful African replacement. Here's Barry, aged just two, with his adorable lisp, strumming away on his toy guitar with plastic strings, singing his favourite song at the time, Do They Know It's Christmas, by Band-Aid. And the world is not enough like it's Christmas. Let us get the fear of night. Ah! When nothing blows, do they know it's Christmas time now? Oh. Mum has written this in my baby book. May 1985, age five and three quarters. First Irish dancing fesh. You got second place and a certificate for the reel and jig. It was bedlam all round. When you were highly commended for the reel, you got a cert and you said, I hate it. You wanted a medal. Well, your dream came true when you got a trophy a little while later for the jig. Oh, we were thrilled. Barry was bored stiff and moaned all the time. I want more bacon bites. It was an experience to see the fesh in action. Well done. 1985 Senior Infant School Report, age five. Julianne has worked steadily this year and has made very satisfactory progress. She is enthusiastic about her work and gives it her best effort. However, she finds failure difficult to accept and gets upset if she does not succeed. She is a very good mixer and is a popular child with the other children. This report amazes me. Looking back on my life, I thought I just played and had the crack all through my childhood and teens and only really developed and fully became who I am when I reached adulthood. I thought I only refined my full personality then, but reading that I found failure difficult to accept at the tender age of five really surprises me. I was obviously a determined little wagon even back then, and if things didn't turn out the way I wanted them to, I'd get upset. Well, 30 years on and nothing's changed. Written in my baby book, 1985, age 5. What religion are you, Julianne? Mmm, book 4? Also in my baby book, September 1985, age 6. 
When we were doing your homework on religion, we read a story about a boy who was watching television and his mother asked him to go to the shops for milk. The question at the end was, what would you do? You thought for a while and then said, hmm, well, I'd watch half the programme, go for the milk and have the rest of the programme recording on the video while I'm away and then watch it when I get back. I was speechless. Saturday, the 8th of December, 1984. We're in the kitchen and we have Julianne, Barry and Mum. Now, come over here, Barry. Come over here and talk to Nana. Is Nana an old bag? No. Ah, is she? Sure, I'm not an old bag. What is she? I'm a nice what? Nice bag. <laughs> August 1987, age nearly eight. We went to the zoo. You moaned all the time. I'm too hot. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. You wouldn't take your sweatshirt off because everyone would see your vest. You were boiling and in the end, I had to pull the sweatshirt off you. This was your third visit to the zoo and Barry's first. Mike made us laugh when he shouted, Look, there's Nana. It was a rhinoceros. Oh, I vividly remember this. I even remember the exact Snoopy sweatshirt I was wearing. It was one of those big, thick ones that was like wearing a duvet. And it was reversible. So when one side got covered in chocolate dribbles and grass stains, you could turn it inside out and have a clean, fresh sweatshirt in seconds. What an ingenious idea that saved the clothes washing by 50%. Everything should be reversible. 
Because the sweatshirt was so warm, I only wore a vest underneath it. And on that unexpectedly baking hot day at the zoo, I was sweating like a cat trying to bury a shite on a marble floor. But there was no way I was taking it off in case anyone saw me in just my vest. I distinctly remember the feelings of panic and desperation at being so roasting but insisting that it stays on until mum pulled it off me to shut me up from moaning. She was dead right. I'm amazed though at such a young age I was so self-conscious. I didn't think that developed until I was in my teens but it just shows you how early our self-perception develops. Here's something I have written in my baby book, 1989, age 10. My predictions for the year 2000. By then, I'll be 21 and I will be in college if I get in. I will get married when I am 25. I will marry Packy Bonner. We will have two kids. Fears. I hate spiders and burglars. Friendship. My best friend is Adele. She is very funny and mad. Life. I love life. It's great. Love. I love hot dogs, zig and zag, Judy Bloom, Fido Dido, Converse, Care Bears, Coke, Garfield and McDonald's. In 1990, mum has written this. I am age 10. Lent is over and I am so proud of you and Barry. You didn't eat any cakes, sweets, biscuits or crisps and your Lenten record remains unbroken. You lost weight as a byproduct and you look very well. An inch taller than me and I might add I don't like that. Oh God, the guilt I feel reading this is immeasurable. Not the Catholic guilt. I have long since distanced myself from the church. It's been so long since I went to Mass that if I heard a priest say, Body of Christ, I'd be like, Oh, thanks Father, I've been working out. I always found Mass insanely boring, especially as a kid. All that stupid step aerobics of kneeling and standing while rattling off prayers and hymns, half of which I didn't know the words to, so I just make up my own to make it more entertaining as I sang along. Joy to the world, the devil's dead. Let's all clap hands and sing. He set himself on fire and now Jesus is king and now we all get toys and now we all get toys and now and now we get free toys. Yeah! Kate Mila Folcheroto Pizza Oh Pizza Kate Mila Folcheroto Pizza Birds I potato waffles and pizza Please, Mom, can we have them? I love pizza. Through him with him in him, in the lunacy of the Holy Spirit. Almighty and honor is yours. Stretch arm strong. The guilt I feel is for all the lengths that I didn't actually give up sweets. In fact, Rick Astley gave up more than me. 
Of course, I claimed to be a Samaritan sacrificer and did some Oscar-winning acting at home, assuring mum and dad that I was sugar-free and not one e-number had passed my lips for 40 days and 40 nights, so I was well-deserving of my Easter egg as soon as Jesus rocked out of his tomb. But while I wasn't having any sweets in front of the parentals, I was a right little greedy Zacchaeus, scoffing the whole shop at five to nine, Monday to Friday before school. I felt so guilty even back then, but the temptation of the stinger bars, blackjacks and fizzy cola lollies were too much for me and I was willing to risk the wrath of the fires of hell for my morning sugar rush. I remember buying whatever I could afford with the 30p in copper coins I'd have managed to rustle together from down the side of the sofa or inside the hoover bag. And as I'd stand at the counter, watching the lady count out the penny sweets, hoping she'd throw in some extra ones for free, I'd be anticipating a firm hand resting on my shoulder. And then I'd have to turn around and see mom or dad there with a look of bitter disappointment on their face. Of course, I had my line prepared and I was going to innocently say, Oh, I forgot it's Lent! Again, with some of my best acting, which I had practiced in the mirror at home. Now, luckily, I never got caught, but I do remember one year breaking Lent so many times that I thought God had decided to get revenge on me. I convinced Dad to let me get an After Eights Easter egg. I wanted it because it came with a box of After Eights. An entire box just for me. Come chocolate day, I ripped open the packaging and inhaled the minty aroma. The egg itself was covered in a shiny gold foil. I tore it off with vigour and then my face dropped. It was dark chocolate. I hated dark chocolate by itself. With a minty fondant and a delicate after aid, lovely, but an oval of nothing else. Yuck. I was devastated. The box of after eights wasn't even any consolation. I had spent over six weeks dreaming of devouring this egg, all the time stupidly thinking it'd be milk chocolate, not the bitter dark stuff. And that's when I knew God was punishing me for being such a bitterly disappointing Catholic. Ah well, I'd try again next year. Here, by the way, did St. Paul ever get a letter back from the Corinthians in the end? Well, there we go. There's the first delve into the early years as we set things up for the teenage years and those diaries. Please click the subscribe button so you'll be the first to know as soon as new episodes of the podcast are out. If the Cringe Binge podcast is making you think about your teenage years and diaries you wrote, then I'd love to hear from you. I'm going to be reading listeners' diaries in future episodes, so if you'd like to share your diary, either publicly or anonymously, then get in touch. You can take photos of the pages and send them to me or type them up or record them as an audio note. All the details are on my website. Just visit cringebingepodcast.com. Thanks for listening and please tell all your mates about this podcast. I really appreciate your support. I'm your host, Jules Call, and this is the Cringe Binge Podcast, brought to you by Acast, home of the world's best podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.